Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Uh, 
use of the Iron Dome to shoot them down, not only will it be overwhelmed, uh, but uh, the rockets average about $500 a piece. And it's interesting that the water lines that Israel got world condemnation for shutting off uh, into Gaza don't work anyway. And the reason they don't work is because uh, the Gazians, Hamas, has taken the water pipes and cut them to pieces to make rockets to shoot into Israeli cities. But it costs about $500 to make one of these crude rockets, and it costs a little over $100,000 to make an Iron Dome interceptor. So if that's the way the game is going to be played, Israel will go bankrupt. It will lose. Uh, But worse than that, what I said is that with the Iranian capability as it relates to guidance systems, rockets, and drones, uh, and the capacity in terms of how far they can fly. Israeli cities will be destroyed. You're not going to have an occasional fire in a parking lot or in a apartment uh, that where the either the Iron Dome failed or a fragment of a blown up missile fell into uh, an Israeli uh, inhabited area. With 200,000 far better guided missiles and longer range missiles. Uh, Israeli cities are going to be devastated. It's going to be True. far worse. I would say in the range of a hundredfold worse than what Israel witnessed. And the next thing I said that's going to happen is that rather than sending in uh, 1,500 or 2,000 jihadists uh, between the coordinated group, and not just from the southern border, but from the north, from the east, and from the uh, the south and the west, there will be in the range of 150,000 of wow. these jihadists. And at 150,000 jihadists, with that many rockets uh, firing overhead, uh, what is going to happen is that you're not going to have 22 border communities that are overrun, but more like uh, 100 or 150 <laughs> border communities that are overrun. And they won't be overrun with 20 jihadists per city, but with 2,000 per city, per town. And because the IDF is not built to deal with that kind of an attack, it's built to deal with another six-day war, another Yom Kippur War, a, a war between militaries where fighter jets and tanks make a difference. In this case, the tanks are useless. The fighter jets are useless. And so with that many jihadists and that many Israeli towns, all of the small ones, with the larger ones being destroyed by this onslaught of rockets okay. and missiles, mm-hmm. and the IDF not having any response they will their response will be no better than it was on October 7th that's what i said a year ago and as a result israel's going to be in a position where they'll either have to sue for peace or be annihilated and suing for peace will be the acceptance of the two state solution which is the neville chamberlain moment where israel becomes so vulnerable as to cease to exist 
That's what I said a year ago. Mm-hmm. The first version of that happened, and what Iran proved is that that plan will prevail. So, Israel, that is your future if you do not have a Hezekiah moment. Walk away from politics and religion and come to know Yahweh. That is your reality. The next two things I want to talk about, because the world's reaction uh, to um, Israel, even by, as I told you, that the United States would be a Trojan horse, um, even by the United States, is so jaundiced that it it appears that really no one understands what's at play here. Uh, The president uh, the other day came on and he drew a moral equivalence between the one uh, psychotic individual that uh, shot and killed a 12-year-old Muslim boy just because he was um, mentally ill didn't do it at the urging of a of a country didn't do it with with uh, 2500 of his friends uh didn't uh, uh rape the child didn't decapitate the child uh didn't gloat over the death of the child didn't do anything that Hamas and the Gazians did and it was one man who was mentally ill doing something grossly immoral and stupid but there is no moral equivalency of an individual being deranged and doing a bad thing, and the government of a of a large group of people perpetrating what we witnessed in Israel. And for the President of the United States to draw that moral equivalency says that he, in fact, is the enemy. Now, in the same speech, he said, just as we must fight anti-Semitism, we must fight Islamophobia. One of the most reprehensible things the man could say and the most inappropriate things he could say. First of all, I will guarantee you that those people who have the courage, the compassion, the intellect to expose and condemn Islam are not afraid of it. The people who say no Islamophobia are the people who are Islamophobes. They are afraid of it. Right. The exact opposite of what he said is true. And if you are sane, you would be disgusted by Islam. And we'll talk about Islam more mm-hmm. in this program. Thanks. The second point I wanted to make is that there's this uproar on behalf of a people called Palestinians. And their right to have independent rule in a place called Palestine. And this notion that Israelis are somehow a colonial oppressor occupying Palestine that must be free. You have Jews by the many thousands, tens of thousands, marching progressive Jews, which means they're uh, grossly immoral and ignorant and irrational, uh, marching saying free Palestine. So I want to make this absolutely clear. There is no Palestine. There has never been a Palestine. There is no such thing as a Palestinian. The closest thing ever to a place called Palestine and a people called Palestinians 
were the Philistines. They did not have a country. They did not have a written language. They did not have any coinage. They didn't leave anything behind to distinguish them in any way. They would be completely unknown to the world if it wasn't for their horrible terrorist interactions with God's people, Israel. If God's testimony is true, and it is, then the Philistines were invaders, sea peoples from Crete, not Arabs, who were butcherous and villainous and grossly inappropriate, foul-mouthed and, uh, and wholly militant. Uh, like Hamas, all they cared about was war. They were bludgeoned by, because of their behavior against Israel by Doe, David. And before that time, by the, uh, the Egyptians. Tutmos the, uh, the third, the uh, uh, pharaoh of the Exodus, is most famous for his battle against uh, the Philistines in Gaza. Right. Mm -hmm. And when he nearly destroyed them, they, they clawed back to some power, and then they, uh, they triumphed over King Saul, uh, cut, his, you know, cut his head off, paraded his head through their streets. Um, that after that, uh, Dode, with Yahweh's backing, um, silenced them to the point that they were, you know, a, a quivering wreck of what they once were. But that was not the end of the story. Not only did very few of them survive Dode, but those that did were attacked uh, by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians, and the very final remnant of them was wiped out by Alexander the Great as he was uh, headed down to uh, Egypt. There are none of them. The last of them was slaughtered. It was a genuine genocide before the term even existed. And the, these Philistines were different than ordinary people because uh, the Greeks um, built their empire on slaves. You know, a city like Athens was 90% slaves. Assyrians were as good at enslaving people as anybody in history. Babylonians were famous for enslaving people. <laughs> the Egyptians, particularly famous for enslaving people. Look what they did to the Israelites. And yet, there isn't any evidence that the Philistines were enslaved because they were so incompatible with, with any redeeming qualities. It was better to kill them than to try to enslaved them. So there is not a single survivor of the ancient Philistines. And if there were some just uh, person out there that <laughs> found another Philistine and mated between the two Philistines and continued to mate in the same family and didn't have their genes uh, destroy them uh, for incest, they were Cretans. That's what Yahweh's story, it tells us that they came from Crete. And 
it's interesting that in the very crude graves that they have found in, uh, in Gaza uh, when digging, the DNA of uh, the Philistines says that they're from Crete. So the point is, if Yahweh's story is true, and it is because it's constantly historically uh, affirmed, like, for example, the DNA of the, uh, mm-hmm. the ancient Philistines, then the Philistines were from Crete. They no longer exist. But that's the only place we know their name. Apart from the Torah prophets themselves, their name is completely unknown. And if Yahweh's story isn't true, then these people never existed. So the only reason that this name of this ancient peoples is even known is because of one of the great assholes of all time, Hadrian. Hadrian lured uh, the uh, Israelites, particularly Yehudim, out of uh, Egypt and other places where they had fled after the uh, the first two Roman invasions. Um, the first Roman invasion, about 66 BCE, uh, was uh, was part of that that those skirmishes uh, uh, between Julius Caesar and uh, um, Pompey. And Pompey was the one that ended up in, uh, in Israel. And the reason he ended up there is that uh, the Maccabean legacy in Israel is consistent with the Israeli behavior throughout time, which is infighting between Jews for who was going to be empowered. And the most lucrative job was uh, to be chief priest and being a low eight no longer mattered. It was, uh, you know, who was the most vicious. And so in the battle between brothers, uh, both of which had Greek names, even though they were Jews, Hasmoneans, uh, they, one of them um, brought a neighboring tribe into Judea to kick the others and to kick uh, other Jews butts every way from Sunday and it upset the Romans and the Romans came in to suppress them. And that was the first Roman occupation of Judea brought in because of, of Israel's religiosity, a direct derivative of the Maccabean period and the Hashmonians. Then when we get to the third uh, Roman occupation, uh, Hadrian lures the Jews back into Judea say, hey, we're going to have this wonderful rebuilding of, uh, of Judea and particularly of the temple that, uh, oh, whoops, you know, Titus got a little rambunctious and tore down. And as soon as the Jews responded, he said, I was just kidding about that. And he started massacring them and uh, raised Jerusalem. And Hadrian was such a jerk at the end of the period where he crucified many, many tens of thousands of Jews, starved uh, many to death. I mean, the Romans' uh, view of how you surrounded and besieged a city was a thousand times worse than anything the Jews are doing in response to the massacre that the Gazians perpetrated on them. And at the end of that uh, siege... Hadrian, just being the jerk that he was, said, all right, it's been the province of Judea for, uh, uh, for you know, 
I guess, since uh, uh, before Dote. And so that was uh, a, a thousand years ago. So we, we understand this is the province of uh, Judea, the kingdom of Judea. And it's even been for us all of the time that the Rome has occupied it. It's been the province of Judea. But we're not going to call it that anymore. Uh, we understand that once upon a time, a long time ago, uh, that the, uh, the Jews uh, had an enemy called the Philistines. Now, the only reason that Hadrian knew this is because Josephus, in the previous assault, mm -hmm. had turned traitor. And jo Josephus, who was another example of a religious Jew, uh, turned madman uh, against his own people, wrote the history of the Jews in, uh, in Latin, and as a result... Hadrian was aware that there was this people called the Philistines that uh, had their way with, with Saul uh, in the early days, a thousand years prior. We're going to rename the place Philistia. And because there's this love of all things Roman because of the Roman Catholic Church and the, the affinity of Latin and scholarship, their academic community continued to refer to Judea by this name that was meant to, to just degrade God's people, Philistia. And the Romans renamed a lot of different cities. It wasn't just that one. Right. This is a well-known thing <laughs> right. that they So did. that's the history of the place. And right. no one in the region referred to themselves as a Palestinian or the place called Palestine. Nobody there did wasn't used until the time of the uh, beginning during the British mandate. And the only reason the, uh, the Brits were there is that in um, World War I, of all things, the Brits bribed the Saudis uh, and to work with the Wahhab uh, um, clerics to wage war on Turkey, which at the time controlled uh, Mecca. And they did, you know, riding their camels and swinging their, uh, their, their sabers. They, uh, they did. And so the Brits decided, well, we'll reward them. Uh, and, uh, and so they ended up when uh, areas were, were freed, liberated of the Ottoman Turks, uh, they went in and, and took over uh, what was called, because the Brits, Brits loved the, the sound of it, they hated Jews, they've always hated Jews. So they went with uh, Hadrian's misnomer, and it was mandate uh, Palestine. At the same time, <clears throat> the Brits had made an agreement uh, for a fellow named Kais Wiseman, uh, who mm -hmm. saved the British Empire. Uh, he ad admitted two things. One was synthetic rubber, because the Brits did not have access to, uh, to rubber and couldn't make enough tires for war machines in the war. Himes Wiseman came to the rescue and invented it, and they were being outdueled by the Germans because of smokeless gunpowder. He was also uh, was able to invent that. And so Himes Wiseman said, at the end of the war, the Brit brought him in and said, you saved the British Empire. What do you want? He said, not much. You've got a little strip of land out here. Nobody wants it. It's, uh, it's essentially uninhabited. Uh, I... I'd like it for my people. And so it was supposed to be 
Transjordan, which means both sides of the Jordan River, which means it was um, about five times bigger than current Israel, including what's called the West Bank and Gaza, going well into uh, to Jordan. Well, the Muslims had a conniption fit. And this was the time that black ooze was being discovered under those uh, fiefdoms. And so the Brits and the Americans went in and, uh, and sliced up countries. You know, the Brits were going to get uh, Saudi Arabia or Iran, and the Americans would get the other one. And they just carved up the land and said, this one's ours, this one's yours, and we'll bribe the, the local chieftain. That uh, didn't work real well. And so those countries that were now huge sources of, uh, of revenue for the elitist in the United States and the elitist in, uh, in Britain and also in France uh, held sway. Who gives a crap about those Jews anyway? We're going to renege on the deal. That's something the Brits are really good at. And they decided, no, we're not going to uh, give the uh, mandate uh, uh, to uh, the Jews after all because we're, our, our money is, uh, is uh, with these you know, uh, Arab uh, warlords. And so what happened? Hitler rose to power. Anti-Semitism is all over Europe. And Hitler decides he's going to blame everything on the Jews. And the Jews have no place to go because of what the Brits did. That's the truth of the matter. And so there were six million of them killed in the Holocaust. And at the end, the United Nations, which came out of the failed League of Nations, says, okay, uh, we should at least uh, give them a, uh, a country, and they give them this tiny fraction of, of what they were entitled to. The Jews were desperate. They, they accepted the deal. The Arabs said, no, we're not going to accept that, and they met them with guns. And there's this myth now among uh, progressive Jews in America that, the, uh, that this land was heavily occupied by this indigenous people, and the Jews went and threw them out, and now they're poor little refugees, and the Israelis are occupying their land. That is absolutely not true. Right. When Israel went into the land, first of all, they didn't even have a common language. They had no coinage. Uh, they didn't have a military. They didn't have any ability to defend themselves. They had nothing. They just came out of the Holocaust with the Europeans stealing everything that belonged to them. And when they arrived, their first response was, anybody that's here, you are welcome to be part of this great experiment with us. Be fellow citizens. We'll share everything with you. Well, it was the Muslims that caused the refugees. The League of Nations told the Muslims living there, get out. We want you out now so that we can destroy Jews. Final solution. We're going to annihilate all of them. Get out of our way. There was no such thing as a Palestinian at the time, but the Arabs living there left at the orders of the Arab League so that Muslims could wipe out Jews at the end. Well, it didn't turn out that way. It is interesting, however, that the United States spilled its sons and daughters' blood defending Saudi Arabia and Kuwait 
from Saddam Hussein. We sent our military in. We sent our own boys and girls in to defend Saudi Arabia and Kuwait from Saddam Hussein. You think that America sent uh, its military in to defend Israel against the onslaught of Muslims? No. America didn't fire a shot on behalf of Israel in the Six-Day War or in the Yom Kippur War when Israel's almost destroyed, and even now. And Americans aren't there to fire a shot and protect Israel. They're a Trojan horse. So, at this point, there still is no such thing as a Palestinian. No one's even using the term. At Jordanians, you got some Egyptians. At the time, Gaza was an open prison. The UN and everybody that's now evaluating what's going on in Gaza, which is a possession of Egypt, it's a living hellhole. Total poverty. And it is part of Egypt. What's called the West Bank now is part of Jordan. A hellish place to live. Lots of poverty. Yes. That's the reality of it. Jews came in. They told the indigenous people, stay. No, but what did they do? They went to war against them. Tried to kill them. Now, what that means is that you can't impose a deal that you rejected. If you reject, you know, you and your neighbor uh, shake hands on a deal to, to buy a piece of property, and the next day you said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to honor that deal, and oh, by the way, I've come over with guns, and I'm going to start to kill your family. When you lose, you can't go back and say, well, woe, woe is, uh, is me and damned are you. Uh, I want uh, that, that original deal uh, rejected and tried to kill you over. No, doesn't work that way. Not in any real world. And so here we are again, and we still don't have any, any Palestinians. We still don't have a place called Palestine. And we've got the Muslims becoming refugees because of the Arab League and because uh, they, uh, they wanted to renounce UN 242 and the creation of a Jewish state in 1948. The Jews kicked their their bottom all over town. They prevailed. <laughs> but they didn't steal land. They bought it. Nope. They still buy That's it. That's right. Yes. Yep. Now, then you go to, uh, to uh, 1967 and the Six-Day War. All of the collective Muslim nations around Israel plot and decide... Okay, so we didn't win in 1948. It's a new day. We got some big militaries. Uh, that's a tiny little country. They don't have any support. Let's go annihilate them now. And that was the day that Israel's intelligence wasn't as sleepy as it is today. Uh, massive armies on their borders, ready to pounce. And Israel says, uh, not so fast. And by the end of the Six-Day War, uh, Israel could have well, took all of the Sinai, was uh, on the cusp of taking Cairo and would have taken it had the United States not stopped them, uh, would have taken Damascus if the United States had not stopped them, uh, had unified uh, Israel. The United States made them give it back. To whom? To the people that were trying to kill them. 
That failed 1973, and we have the Yom Kippur War, same time of year as the October 7th uh, attack, uh, and surprise attack um, combined again, uh, Egypt, Syria, these nations, and they so outnumbered Israel. They had better air forces, uh, better tank battalions, uh, vastly more troops. Israel looked like it was doomed. The United States, of course, does not come to Israel's aid. Couldn't be bothered with Israel's destruction. But Israel survived, won that war, and then made some of the worst decisions in the world, which is that uh, it gave control of its own Temple Mount to the very nations that were trying to destroy it. There still is no mention, really, of a, uh, of a Palestinian. The whole myth of the Palestinian uh, emerged with uh, Yasser Arafat, uh, and the, uh, the creation of the PLO. The PLO is the organization that went and killed the Jewish athletes at the Munich Olympic Games. Uh, PLO is a terrorist organization. The PLO is the, uh, responsible for the killing of Robert Kennedy in the United States, uh, John F. Kennedy's brother. And the PLO, which is Fatah today, um, came up with the idea that if... <coughs> we call ourselves Palestinians, and we draw a map that says this is Palestine, then we can create the myth that these dastardly Jews are occupying our land. When in fact, the only document that even legitimizes the fact that once upon a time, a thousand years ago, there were these people known as the Philistines, but they no longer exist, is Yahweh's testimony. And Yahweh clearly says... I gave this land to my people, and they're Jews. But the world is ignorant. has been ignorant for a long time. Lack of knowledge. It's, it's so pervasive. The vast, overwhelming percentage of people worldwide do not know that there is no such thing as a place called Palestine or a people called Palestinians. And you have to blame Israel, not Yasser Arafat, the ugly gay terrorist who died of AIDS. Why? Because Israel uses the term. Israeli politicians use the term. Israeli religious leaders use the term. The Israeli newspapers and media use the term. If I had any say over what could and should not be done in Israel, the first thing I would do is make it illegal for any Israeli to use the term Palestinian, because it is a lie. If you can't present the truth, if you don't have a valid argument, don't make one. The notion of a Palestine and Palestinian is a complete and utter lie. The notion that Jews stole their land is a lie. The, the idea that they pushed these poor Palestinians out of their country is a lie. So you can't prevail if you're going to join the liars, which Israel has done. Totally and completely unacceptable. Great. All right, let's go to the next uh, debilitating myth for Israel. That the Temple Mount is the third holiest site on the Islamic religion. So let's begin by making this perfectly clear. The, wor- the Quran is the worst book ever written. It is a jumbled mess 
of plagiarism and utter and complete stupidity mixed in with grotesque immorality. There is nothing redeeming in it. It is a complete and utter fraud. It's a piece of trash. Muhammad was a pedophile. He was a rapist. He was a womanizer. He was a mass murderer. He was a terrorist. Among the worst people who ever lived. One thing he was not is a prophet. Not a single prophecy in the entirety of the Quran, which is pretty amazing since about half the Quran is bastardized Talmud stories that Muhammad bought from rabbis. Great killing. <laughs> but he didn't buy any of the prophecies. Not a single prophecy. Why would you call that jerk, that pedophile, a prophet when he doesn't have a single prophecy? Why? Because you want to make it sound like he's the same as Moshe, who Moshe. was a prophet. Right. Pure deception. So, one night, well, before that night, Muhammad, who, by the way, was in Petra, uh, not Mecca, uh, everything that's in the Quran that describes the topography and the people, the nature and what was going on, describes Petra. All of the, the initial quibblas of all of the initial mosques point to uh, Petra. He's clearly in Petra. Uh, Mecca is, uh, is, is Kaaba, which is just a rock pile, uh, was moved from Petra when Petra was destroyed in the earthquakes uh, and in war to, uh, to what is uh, Mecca. It's a complete and utter fraud. So Muhammad's in Petra, and he is a covetous asshole. And, uh, and so uh, of the early Quran surahs, those uh, revealed before he was uh, uh, benefited from rabbis selling him Talmud stories, are a mix of two things, either plagiarized Hanif poetry, the Hanifs are Jews that lived in Yemen, um, or the ongoing rant where uh, the people that knew Muhammad best, the, uh, um, the Beni Hashem tribe, uh, said, you know, you're just a liar. You're a scumbag. I mean, nothing of this is true. You've stolen all of your material. We know where you got it. Uh, you're not speaking for, uh, for God. You're speaking for yourself. What you're trying to do is satiate your own lust for sex, power, and money. That was true. Another part of that that's also true is that he was from the Beni Hashem tribe. Have you ever heard the, the term Hashem before? How about yes. Beni Hashem? What does it mean? Son of the name. What's the name? Yahweh. Yahud. That's the name. Muhammad was a Jew from the Beni Hashem tribe. So anyway, he uh, uh, is accused by his, uh, those that knew him best, far better than anybody today, of, of being a, a, a self-serving pervert. And huge number of rats, maybe it's a hundred times where the uh, Beni Hashem neighbors are all saying, Muhammad, none of this is true. We know it. We know where you got your material. You're a complete fraud. And then uh, Muhammad has his God, who was not Allah at this point, but uh, a nameless Lord or our Rahman, say, oh, no, no, no. Muhammad's our guy. He's telling you the truth. Believe Muhammad. Uh, we're going to burn the britches of those guys that are mocking him. On and on and on. 
And so they want you to believe that the pen wrote the Quran uh, before the universe was created. So before there was matter, there was a book and it was written by the pen. And it focused on, you know, the, the book of books of all time. And yet it focuses on this never ending rant between uh, uh, nomads. So Muhammad says, all right, all right, all right, I, you, you're, you're going to offer me this deal. The deal I want is uh, I, I get the prettiest women, I get to be king for a day, and you give me all this money, and I will worship the gods of the Kaaba. Alat Manat and Aluza, who are the lead goddesses of the Kaaba. The uh, Bini Harish say, all right, Bini Hashem say, all right, we'll, we'll do that. That sounds like a fair deal. They, uh, they did that. Muhammad then adds a Quran recital that says, you know, Alat, Manat, Aluza, they're all uh, goddesses. Let's just all get along. Where are the babes? Where's the money? Well, all of a sudden, this guy was 10 years into his mission, has four gods, none of which, by the way, at that time were Allah. And so his closest friend and companion, who had given him his six-year-old daughter as a toy, said, I don't think I'm buying this, Muhammad. And so Muhammad comes out with the satanic verses. Uh, Satan put that on my, uh, my tongue. All of, uh, of uh, Allah's messengers uh, speak for Satan. Uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty swell of him. So they mocked him, and they, uh, they mocked him to the point where he needed to leave town, but he needed an alibi. He needed a diversion. His diversion is in the middle of the night while he is engaged in pedophilia, He's a uh, 53-year-old man in bed with a six-year-old girl. That a winged ass comes in out of the sky and picks him up from his bed near the, uh, near the six-year-old child and flies him off to Jerusalem, where he goes into the temple to meet with all of the Jewish big shots of, uh, of, the, uh, of the history of Yisrael, none of which, of course, are alive, uh, and the temple doesn't exist. But he's as dumb as the stone he promoted to a god. And so he tells this whole story about how he went into the temple to meet with all the Jewish big shots, having ridden there on a winged ass, al-Barak. And then when he gets there, the first thing he does is uh, he leaps up to, uh, to uh, heaven, that's why the Dome of the Hoopy Print is there. It commemorates the Hoopy Print of the winged ass. And the first stop to the, the Islamic heaven is hell. You only can get to heaven, first of all, through Jerusalem, which is a real problem for uh, Mecca and the Kaaba. Uh, and Muhammad didn't realize that he had undermined his entire story by saying he had to go to Jerusalem to get uh, the Islamic heaven and Allah. But nonetheless... Even to get there, he first had to go through the Islamic hell that was not down but up on the way to the Islamic heaven. And when he got there, what he found is the, all the inhabitants were naked women who were being hung by meat hooks through their breasts. And so Muhammad said, oh, yeah, well, why are all these women here with meat hooks through the breasts? He didn't say get these women down. What in the world's going on here? This is wrong. No, no, I didn't say any of that. No, he just said, why are they here? And the answer was, well, they weren't duly appreciative of their husbands who had beaten them. 
This is the story of the night's journey. A pedophile admitting that he spoke on behalf of Satan, dreams that he'd gone to, on a wild ass to a non-existent temple to fly through hell in Jerusalem to meet with Allah. The story is so despicable. It's so condemning of the credibility of the Quran and Islam. Rather than placate Muslims and allow those two eyesores to stand, scurry the skyline of Jerusalem, toxins on the Temple Mount, in the heart of God's city, the city of Dod, why doesn't somebody tell the truth? The truth is so condemning of the Quran, of Allah, of Muhammad, of Islam, that there'd be no way to maintain that we need to fight and kill Jews to protect Oska Mosque. Why? Because any mention of it is instantly a laughingstock in the world because you took the time to tell the truth. Why isn't there one journalist the world over who knows that story? Because it's pertinent. The reason that mosque is there now and the Dome of the Rock is there now, they are trophies, just like the Jewish women that the Muslims raped and hauled back and then butchered and hauled back into Gaza as trophies to thousands of cheering women and children. The Dome of the Rock and Alaska Mosque are trophies that need to total and complete decadence that need to be torn down. To pedophilia, to speaking on behalf of Satan. This is the story and it's the truth. They need to be raised. And if you're not going to do it, Yahweh will. And if you don't do it, when Yahweh comes back, which will be in 10 years, October 2nd, 6.22 p.m. at sunset in Jerusalem, Yom Kippurim, your 6,000 Yah, 2033. If you don't do it, he will. And if you're not among those who do it, you aren't going to have a very pleasant experience when Yahweh returns. That's correct. With Dode, by the way, who is the, not only the Passover lamb, but the Messiah and Son of God. Yes. Well, this is the truth. Islam and its Quran are the most despicable, easily disproved religions in the history of the world. Muhammad was a mass murderer. The, Islam's first act in the Islamic era era is the Battle of Badar, where Muhammad goes after a caravan of his own people, who were the first victims of Islam, Arabs, and he robs them, and he gloats about robbing them. And the Quran even says it's lawful to steal and to kill. Muhammad tortures his victims, steals their property, takes away slaves of his own people. This is the Battle of Badar. This is the first episode in the Islamic era. Shortly thereafter, the rabbis who stupidly, um, selfishly, recited Talmud stories to Muhammad, who was desperate for new material. He'd run out of Hanif poetry. He wasn't that inventive. He was illiterate. He had a real problem. 
he had gone out on a limb and said, I'm having all these Quranic uh, revelations, this clanging bell in my head. He needed material, and he couldn't come up with it. So he paid rabbis to read Talmud stories. And it's interesting. The money he paid them were loans from the Jewish community. The first Muslims waltzed into Yathra, which was an all-Jewish town. 75% of the town was Jewish anyway. And they had no means to support themselves. They, they, uh, they were impoverished. And they weren't willing to work. All they knew was being <laughs> raiders. And so the Jews loaned them money for them to survive. Them. Wow. Provided housing for them. And then <clears throat> Muhammad bought these Talmud readings from the Jews. It was the Babylonian Talmud. It had only been codified about a about, um, hundred years previously. And then Muhammad, as he typically did, he twisted the, uh, the Talmud stories to suit his own personal lust for sex, power, and money. Yep. And so he would claim that these were from Allah, and rabbis were just laughing their asses off. Hey, wait a minute. We read those things to you. Those aren't from Allah. They're from our Talmud. And you, you messed up the stories. Uh, the way you told the stories makes absolutely no sense. They started mocking him. And Muhammad said, wait a minute, you, you can't do that. Because if you mock him and you prove that the whole Quran thing is a fraud, then Muhammad goes crashing down. So he dealt with them the way the psychopaths deal with anyone who challenges them. One day, he cut off the heads of every one of the Jews, Jewish men. He enslaved the children, and he played a game of lots to decide who got to rape the women. That's what he did. Are you sufficiently disgusted at this point? Because that's when the Quran started to become anti-Semitic and justify Muhammad doing the unjustifiable. Kind of like the world today responding to what happened on October 7th with Muslims behaving exactly like Muhammad did, raping women, enslaving children, and murdering men. It's exactly what Muhammad did. And then they justify it with a pack of lies just like Muhammad did in the Quran. And yet, 99.9% of Israelis are not only ignorant of what I've just shared, which is exceedingly easy to demonstrate, and I have demonstrated, not only in Prophet of Doom, but I'm mm-hmm. uh, right. rewriting that entire book to bring it up to, uh, uh, to today's standard and, and changing, really, its focus. But you can find it all there, all documented. Yeah. I mean... What was Prophet of Doom is now goddamn religion, is the best documented, most comprehensive, contextual presentation of the Quran using the uh, biography of Muhammad by Ishak, the history of Islam's formation by Tabari, the oldest and most um, revered Islamic sources of Sunnah, to put the Quran in chronological order in the context of Muhammad's life. It is irrefutable. Everything I've said is fact. Well, it's as fact as credible as the Islamic sources are. The only way to refute is to say the Islamic sources aren't credible. And if you were to say the Islamic sources aren't credible, then Islam's not credible. And if the Islamic sources are credible, Islam's not credible because 
He was a mass-murdering terrorist, pedophile, and rapist. How's that for lose-lose? And yet, with these people terrorizing them, with these people cutting off their children's heads, not only raping their women, but then mutilating their genitals, and then parading them through Gaza as trophies, with thousands of women and children applauding. Jews haven't taken the time to learn the truth about what the inspiration is in this behavior. And then the President of the United States has the audacity to say, oh, don't you bring Islam into this. It's all about Islam. That's all it is. All it has ever been. And the irresponsibility of the Jewish people to do what's right. True. You are your own worst enemy because you're unwilling and unable to tell the truth. I mean, this is very similar to so many of those videos of the Holocaust where, you know, other than the uprising in the Warsaw Ghetto, there just aren't many stories of Jews rising up condemning the Gestapo and the Nazis and, and all of the anti-Semitism throughout Europe, just hoping they'll be accepted, hoping that, you know, that they'll survive this, that they can prove that they're worthy, that you know, we can all get along. If people are going to treat you this way for 1,400 years, and these Muslims declared war on you, decapitated your children, enslaved them, raped hmm. your women, killed your men, and have been doing so for 1,400 years, and you somehow want to get along with them? Give them a state carved out of your own territory? Give them humanitarian hmm. aid? When they demonstrate they haven't Stop changed it. at all and are still this murderous and inhuman? No. Hamas gave the 2,500 Islamic jihadists maps that told them where the children were, where the old people were that were the easiest victims, and told them to go slaughter them. And just in case they might get weary of cutting off heads and burning people alive and... and uh, mass murder, shooting RPGs through girls at, at a music festival. They doped them all up. Every one of them was doped with the Muslim okay. version of crack, which is an amphetamine that causes them not to tire, not to have any judgment, to be euphoric about doing the most disgusting of all things. I had pills in their pockets and the effect of this in their systems. And yet the world can't seem to condemn it. And when Israel does at least one thing right and, and holds the Gazian community, which voted overwhelmingly in favor of Hamas, of which 60% of the residents think Hamas is just really swell, and which there are no dissidents. Nobody in Gaza that's standing up and, and saying, wait a minute, Islam is, is wrong and your behavior is wrong and 
which you've done and, and ter- taking everything that could have been good for our people in terms of the possibility of jobs and infrastructure, like we could actually make our own electricity, we could actually uh, desalinize water, we, we could actually grow our own food, we could do stuff. But no, you take 100% of the aid that comes from the world to make rockets and to dig tunnels and to buy weapons to kill Jews, to blame the Jews for occupying... Wait a minute, there are no Jews in Gaza. Oh, you know, the whole thing is a mess, and, and Jews are unwilling to express the truth. And then you go into the United States where you've got these progressive Jews, and they're, they're wallowing all over themselves with free Palestine and Palestinian flags, and, and Israel's bad. What are you, total morons? You completely lost any semblance of morality? Is your mind a complete and utter waste? No character whatsoever? What the hell is wrong with you? Then you have uh, Hamas. They, uh, they blow up their uh, a hospital parking lot. They shoot a rocket from the cemetery. You can see the cemetery is right behind the hospital. And, uh, I mean... Islam dumbs everybody down. I mean, for Israel to have been taken by surprise by people this stupid says how far <laughs> God's people have fallen from what when they once were. And so they shoot a rocket from the cemetery right behind the hospital. Rather than going into Israel, it goes in the wrong direction. And it blows up in, the, in, in a small parking lot by the, uh, the hospital. It catches uh, some cars on fire. It looks like it may have hit an ammunition depot uh, there as well to make the uh, more of the cars get uh, singed, which tells you a lot. What is what is uh, Hamas doing? Shooting rockets uh, from right behind a hospital, unless they want Israel to bomb the hospital. Why are they? Why do they have munitions in the parking lot of the hospital, unless they're looking for casualties? Anyway. They, they misfire the rocket. Israel actually has a telephone conversation between the Muslims. They say, yep, it was us. We shot the rocket. We were behind the, uh, in the cemetery. And their voice says, cemetery, right by the hospital? Yeah, yeah, right in that cemetery. Went into the parking lot, blew up some cars. It was us. Um, and they're discussing this whole thing. Israel actually released it to the media. And mm-hmm. then they showed... Right where the rocket had been shot for. They showed we didn't have anybody anywhere close to the area. They said it landed in the parking lot, didn't even damage the hospital. Didn't even damage it. And yet, everybody of any consequence, the world over, in the media, the BBC, the Wall Street Journal, uh, uh, National Public Radio, Reuters, Associated Press, all of them, front page stories, Israel blows up a Gaza hospital, act of genocide kills 500 innocent Palestinians. Women and children burned alive. Unreal. And as a result, tens of thousands of Muslims, the world older, go into riot mode looking for Jews to hunt down and kill. And even in western cities, Paris and London, Berlin, 
They ran with a story based upon what they were told by an organization that was raised Islamic based on a lie that was ordered to lie. And one of the things that I do very early in goddamn religion is I tell the whole stories about how Muhammad hunted down and killed every journalist in, uh, in his community. If you were a journalist mm-hmm. in his com- community, he hunted you down and deliberately killed you and told his, his goons how to lie to, uh, to be able to carry out the assassination. And then Muhammad, in the most important moment of his life, lies and he says, hey, you know, what if I, if I say one thing and that's my vow, but I find something else is more expedient later, I renounce my vow and do the other thing. So Islam is a religion based on a lie that advocates lying. And the press bought it. And so when Israel had that press release, where, that press conference, and they had the IDF come in, and the IDF has its strengths and weaknesses. One of its strengths is they're really careful when, uh, when uh, uh, denouncing something that's attributed to them that they didn't do. They never color outside the lines. They're super careful. And he says, um, no, it wasn't us. What happened here is, here's the cemetery, here's where the rocket hit in the hospital. Uh, the casualties are grossly uh, exaggerated. There were probably 10 or 20 casualties in around the, the, uh, the parking lot. There weren't 557, like they said. Um, we had no assets in the area. Uh, and we even have a voice recording proving it. We can show you the flight uh, path of the uh, of the rocket. And you know what? The BBC and all of these organizations, mm-hmm. even Seymour Hersh, the guy that I had some respect for. You know, well, yeah. you know, the the world is is uh, in an uproar over the destruction of a uh, of a hospital as Israel is raising Gaza to the ground and and creating mass murder and genocide and condemned Israel for doing it even after it was proven that it was Hamas. At that press conference, you know what I would have done? I would have looked at everybody there. Wall Street Journal, BBC, Reuters, um, all of them. And said, you are now an enemy combatant. You ran with a story that you should have known was untrue, that you didn't bother to fact check, that you put as headlines on the top of your papers, and it caused Muslims around the world to riot and seek to kill Jews. You're not independent reporters anymore. You're enemy combatants. So my suggestion is you get out of here and you stop doing this before we treat you like an enemy combatant. It is astonishing that in the media, which is mostly all progressive, uh, you have some very, very small numbers of of non-progressive media, like the idiots at Fox. So there are some idiots on the other side. But most media outlets are exceedingly progressive. And how they have decided to go against a democracy where women have rights, where uh, there is the rule of law, where education is highly valued, where the people are extraordinarily mobile and free, 
And instead, they're going to condemn those people and they're going to side with the, the people whose religion demeans women more than any religion in the history of humankind where women have absolutely no rights and have to walk around in tents. Where 250 little girls are sexually mutilated that grew based upon terrorism and the slave trade. That was actually responsible for rounding up the Africans that were brought to the New World as slaves. That is in every country they control, they have a fascist dictatorship. And they've decided to rally around them, and they want the hijab-wearing woman at their protests, and to speak against Israel on behalf of a religion that advocates everything they oppose. Black Lives Matter all over it. Anti-Semitic. What in the hell is wrong with these people? They're indoctrinated worse than any religious faith. And they don't seem to be able to see it. I had dinner with, uh, with a couple. I love this woman. I mean, she is just a, a patron saint of the little island that I, I live on. But her husband is uh, a Rashafarian, and he's uh, anti-Semite. And so mm-hmm. at the middle of dinner a couple nights ago, he's telling a story. My, my wife, who is Jewish, is sitting right next to me. Uh, and I'm Jewish by association, so, you know, you, 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 you attack Jews and you're, an honorary you're, Jew. you're going to get the gloves off. And he said, you know, the reason I hate Netanyahu, who is a terrorist, is that if a, if a Palestinian, I said, stop there, there's no such thing as a Palestinian. Well, if a Palestinian, I said, there's no such thing as a Palestinian. Okay, if someone who is not Jewish does any little thing that... He goes and destroys their houses. That is so ridiculous. That is a terrorist act. I said, do you realize that the only people that's, whose houses they raise are the, the parents of or the family of or the home of the actual terrorist who has killed and maimed Jews? To get that, you have to be convicted of killing and maiming Jews. And do you realize... The reason they came up with that is because of pay for slay, where Fatah, the PLO, rewards murderers of Jews to this day by taking the money the European Union gives them and lavishing large rewards on the families and on the terrorists themselves who kill Jews. And this was Israel's way of saying, if they're going to do that, then we can at least take away their home. There. And when I said that, wouldn't even register still, Netanyahu's a terrorist. Well, you know, I'm not a Netanyahu fan, but one thing he's not is a terrorist, and this is a moral response. The women who raised the children to be terrorists that went off and decapitated little Jewish boys and girls, I don't have any sympathy for their houses being destroyed. They no. did this. And when the Jews came back, beaten and bloodied and raped, they celebrated. They did this thing. They deserve it. 
when the world says, oh, Israel's perpetrating genocide. Have you absolutely lost your mind? Genocide is what happened in the Holocaust, where you take and you try to annihilate, annihilate a people. Thousands of Gazians killed because they won't leave the side of their terrorist sons amongst two million is the furthest thing possible from genocide. And the only reason they're being killed is because, A, their sons went into Israel and committed the worst terrorist act of the last thousand years. And then when they came back, they celebrated it. And then when Israel said, get out of the way, move out of the way, because Hamas are a bunch of little cowards, and they think it's fun to have civilians killed while they hide underneath them in their little tunnels like rats. And they didn't leave. So what's Israel to do? Why are they dying? Not because of Israel. They brought this on themselves. Right. So Israel, what I'm trying to tell you is that if you don't wake up and come to understand the truth about Islam, the first uh, four chapters, about 140 pages of, of goddamn religion, this uh, rewrite that um, is considerably different than the first version. Uh, a lot of things change. One is uh, it's called goddamn religion because 22 years ago when I wrote it, I was unaware that uh, Christianity and its New Testament was uh, a complete fraud. I didn't know the depths of the fraud perpetrated in the Talmud or of the complicity of rabbis in Israel's destruction or how the number one theme throughout the Torah and prophets is God's disgust with, with Israel's propensity to be religious. Didn't know those things mm -hmm. back then. And so um, when the Quran made claims, rather than just saying, well, this is not true because, oh, by the way, the, which it claims that the Gospels were uh, revealed by Allah, well, I'm here to tell you the Gospels are a complete fraud, so if Allah claims to have revealed them, then uh, perfect. Then he is exactly how Paul has described him. Paul said he was demon-possessed, and he is the principal yeah. author of the Christian New Testament. Thank you for the confession. Yes. Uh, so yes, yes. I've learned a lot in that regard, and I need to make those corrections. But the second thing is that Prophet of Doom was written right after 9-11 for the purpose of awakening Americans to the actual motivation for that terrorist suicide bombing. Therefore, it was appropriate to be written the way it was written. Goddamn religion, the comprehensive rewrite, I mean, it's, it is tremendously different, um, mm -hmm. is written because of the day that is the most profound change in any of our lives that love Israel and love Jews is uh, because of what happened on October 7th of 2023. Because we know that October 7th of 2023 was the dress rehearsal for the big one that's coming next. And the only way that any Jew is going to survive it is to come to know Yahweh, become a part of this covenant. Absolutely. And so I am writing, rewriting the book entirely to focus it on a single group of people, the remnant of Yisrael, who are open-minded sufficiently to consider the evidence that Yahweh and Dode, David, have provided 
such that you come home and return to the God of Abraham, Yishak, and Jacob. So it's being rewritten expressly for non-political, non-religious Jews. And the aftermath of October 7th, 2023, and before the ultimate destructive battle on Israel, which is a hundredfold of what happened on October 7th. It is called Goddamn Religion. It will be, uh, the first five chapters will be up on the uh, Yada Yada site. Uh, yada Yada.com. Yada means to know. Yah is the familiar form of Yahweh's name. Um, so Yada Yada.com, you'll find um, the 30 books that uh, that I have written on behalf of Yisrael and Yahudim. Goyim, you're more than welcome to read them. You can be part of the same covenant. There's one Torah, one covenant. One set of Moed Mikre to follow, one Savior. <clears throat> His uh, name is Dode David. He is the firstborn of uh, of God. He is the Messiah. He is the King of Kings. And he is the one that is returning. You can be part of this. You can survive this next attack. You can be a voice of reason calling your loved ones home. And so that's why it's written. It'll be on the far right side of the uh, the bookshelf here uh, shortly. Uh, David, our, our webmaster, has done just a marvelous job of uh, of working with Jackie, our publicist, and uh, and getting it uh, uh, presented. Um, both Molly and and uh, Mike have done a marvelous job of editing it. And uh, it's, I'm a tough a tough writer to edit because uh, um, words are uh, are very important to me, and I write them uh, based upon uh, how the Spirit has led me to understand Yahweh's prophetic testimony. Uh, and uh, I don't pull any punches, but they have nonetheless gotten this material ready, and it will soon be published on the yadayah.com site. Um, and in that, there is a revised uh presentation. It's called At War with Religion. And uh, I would encourage you to read the entire thing, but particularly that. It's time to shed your ignorance, Israel, about the myth of Palestinians, the myth of a place called Palestine, the, the myth of your Temple Mount being holy to Muslims, about the myth that you can negotiate with them, that you can live with them, that that appeasing them is a good thing. You're at war with religion. And it's not just Islam. You know, for a better part of 2,000 years, the religion that uh, was so deadly to Jews was Christianity. Um, right. created, by, created by Jews, allowed by mm-hmm. Jews. It, Christianity not only was conceived by Peter and Paul, both of whom were, uh, were Jewish, um, but it was allowed by the rabbis because what happened in 33 CE, year 4000 Yah, was so voluminously and precisely predicted, not only by Do David in uh, the 22nd, 88th Mizmor, uh, Yashia and Isaiah 53, uh, but even in the testimony of Moshe. What happened then uh, was, was detailed. And, 
and even when uh, Gabriel, which is uh, the uh, most courageous and competent man of God, Dode, um, spoke to uh, Daniel um, and said, this is the exact day when I, as the Messiah, are going to be cut down, but not for myself. My own people are going to do this to me. And this is going to be the consequence. So, the exact day that he would enter Jerusalem. Doe, David, who wrote about his own crucifixion in first person as the Passover lamb. Fulfillment of matzah. It's all there. It's It's copiously detailed. Prophetic of exactly what Dode had decided to do. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Dode, Dode, the king died 3,000 years ago. No. Yeah, Dode was king of United Israel 3,000 years ago. He's the greatest of your prophets in terms of the uh, uh, breadth of prophecies that he uh, he, uh, shared through the uh, Mikra, excuse me, the the Psalms and the Proverbs. he specifically said that he had told God that he wanted to serve not only as the, as the Zeroah, as the sacrificial lamb, but he wanted to fulfill matzah, which was the really tough one, where he <clears throat> carried the religious guilt of every covenant member into Sheol and deposited it there so it could never be seen again, thereby perfecting us. And Dode explained to Yahweh, and it's obvious when you read the Mizmor Psalms, why he wanted to serve in that role. Why he would suffer those two days for us to live in eternity together. And then there's detailed examples of how he would do it. Exactly the date that he would do it. What the benefit would be. And then <clears throat> enormous amount of prophecies predicting that the establishment would to deny it. Denial of being the son of God, which God. Rico? The sacrificial lamb, which God clearly states, by the denial of all of this, is what gave Christianity the ability to foist a false messiah on the world and this mythical creature named Jesus Christ. And then to fight that when it finally started to take root and, uh, and grow as, as a lie because, well, it was wrapped up in Odysseus and uh, Dionysian clothing. So it had appeal to a broader cross-section of people. Akiba comes up with a false messiah of his own. Well, you got a false messiah, I've got a false messiah. Let's let our false messiahs duel it out. Well, it's because of Akiba's false messiah that Hadrian came to town, and we all know what happened as a result of that. Akiba was responsible for the diaspora, for the destruction of Israel, of Judea anyway. Yep. And so you brought Christianity on the world because you didn't have the knowledge or the courage or the desire to tell the truth about that religion the same way as now we're dealing with Islam today. If you don't have enough people who are willing to stand up and tell the truth, or just people take the time to learn it and share it with others, bad things happen. That's how Christianity took root and grow. And it would torment you for the next 2,000 years. 
without the Roman Catholic Church. You know, there really is no despair. There's no pogrom. There's no, there's no abusing Jews and demonizing Jews throughout Europe for a better part of 2,000 years. There's no Holocaust without the rabbis failing the Jewish people relative to Dode serving as the Passover lamb. Or this myth that there's a nameless Messiah that's coming to rescue you. No, that the Messiah's got a name. His name is Dode David. And yeah, I was very clear that Dode David is coming back for a third existence, the king of the universe. He's well known. And yet they'll lie to you about that. They lie to you about everything. And all three of the Jewish religions, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, nothing but a pile of lies with rabbis responsible for all of them. Yes, rabbis are responsible for Islam. I just explained how that occurred. Rabbis are absolutely responsible for Christianity. In fact, Paul was the first to use the term. And all of this time, very, very few Jews have been willing to take a stand and tell the truth. Here I am, a goy. I've received thousands of death threats. I've written 30 books. I've devoted 10 to 14 hours a day for 22 years to awaken you. And you can't even take the time to read what Yahweh said, what I've learned about these false religions, and defend yourself and your people? What's wrong with you? Why not? They attack you this brutally, and you don't marshal a defense of words. Well, you think the IDF is going to save you and bomb Gaza into oblivion? Do you have any idea that for every bomb you drop in Gaza, and particularly when you invade Gaza, how that's going to galvanize the world against you? Why not use your words, Israel? Why not tell the truth about the Temple Mount? Why not tell the truth about the myth of the Palestinian? Why not tell the truth about Islam? Why not confront the rabbis for having created all three of these religions that have done you such harm? Great example. Most important day of the year, according to Yahweh, and Passover, most certainly isn't Yom Kippur, which is the day you think, Yom Kippur, the day you think is the holiest day. No, it's Matzah. You don't even celebrate it. Matzah is the day that Dode's soul carried the guilt of the covenant members into Sheol to perfect us. The day that we are freed of the consequence of having been religious and political. The rabbis don't even celebrate it. They've turned Passover into a seven-day feast to bypass matzah. Matzah is the seven-day celebration and feast. It is essential. Passover just happens to be the first day of matzah. This is how they've lied to you. Then they've turned Yom Kippurim into Yom Kippur, single, singular as opposed to plural, and it's a day of affliction and denial when, according to Yahweh, it's the day that he's going to restore the relationship. It's the day of reconciliations. It's the family reunion. 
and they've inverted it, twisted it so badly. I began this mission on your behalf 22 years ago on Teruwa. You don't even know what Teruwa is because you replaced it by, based on the rabbis on a Babylonian holiday called Rosh Hashanah, head of the year. Oh, I'm sorry. Head of the year is Abib 1, <clears throat> seven months earlier. They've done nothing but lie to you. They won't even say Yahweh's name all through the Jerusalem Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud, all of their Mishnah, the Zohar. They won't even say Yahweh's name. They've written his name even out of their Torahs. Took a goy to tell you how to pronounce it? And that it was this important? And you can't even learn from it and start using it? What happened with Hezekiah when you had a, what is it, 185,000 Assyrians surrounding Jerusalem, ready to do to it like they did every other city in, in Judea and previously throughout the northern kingdom of Israel, hauling the entire northern kingdom off into slavery and oblivion? Hezekiah found a copy of the Torah and decided, maybe I should read that. Oh, yeah. What's God's number one criticism of us? We're religious. He hates religion. Let's get rid of all the religious trimmings, and let's actually celebrate Passover, Matzah, and Bakorum. And Hezekiah says, hey, listen, uh, the priests are completely ignorant. They've got no clue here. There's religious stuff everywhere. I know we have to clean house first. We can't get it done in time. Can we celebrate just a little later? Yeah, it's just fine. It's about what the celebrations represent that matters and your reliance on me that matters. And they did. And what happened? 185,000 Assyrians dead. That'd be like having the, this major assault that's being planned right now by Iran where there's, Israel has no defense. Nothing the IDF has going to do you any good. You can't drop a bomb, uh, a nuclear bomb. Uh, you can't uh, use your jets. You can't use your tanks. It's going to be exactly like what happened on October 7th, except 100-fold uh, worse. And it's just like that with, with over 100,000 jihadis, and they just all die on their tracks before harming any of you. That's what would happen if you had a Hezekiah awakening. Right. And that's what we're trying to do. Yes. You know, the Teruah harvest is, is probably six years away. Um, Yahweh says there'll be 7,000 people. <clears throat> 7,000 people could be fairly easily, evenly split. He, he uses metaphoric language talking about the highest branch on the tree, olives being harvested, and then the, uh, a lower branch on the tree. The higher branch could be uh, Yahudah. The lower branch could be Yisrael. Uh, few fewer on the upper branch, the lower branch. But it's also possible that the upper branch is uh, Yisrael and uh, Yahudah combined, and the lower branch is the uh, Goyim who have accepted the covenant, uh, who... Um, observe the Torah, observe and attend the Moed Mikre, and accept uh, uh, Yahweh's provision through Dode um, for us to, yeah, be, uh, to be grafted in so, and adopted yeah. into Yahweh's family. But that, that is occurring, and that's a, a guarantee, get out of hell immediately <laughs> opportunity. 
and thereafter, Elias yeah. come back. I'll be uh, joining him. And uh, for the next three years, uh, we're going to be exceedingly blunt, far more blunt than I've been tonight. Oh, about yeah. the, the be off. Yeah, the, the consequence of Judaism and why it's poison to God's people, why God hates the religiosity of his people. Number one theme throughout the prophets and the Torah is God despising the religiosity of his people. Judaism has to I can't to censor you in person. But I will tell you the same thing is true with, uh, with progressives. They've lost their ever-loving mind. They, they no, no conscience, no, no sense of right and wrong. <clears throat> They'll all be gone. So we're trying, we will work to have a family reunion of a quality of individuals that is satisfying to Dode and to Yahweh uh, to look up to the one that you pierced. Dote, when he returns on Yom Kippur to anoint the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant and to restore the relationship between that remnant of Israel and Yahweh. That is our mission. We've been at this mission now for 22 years. See how committed we have been. But I'm scolding Israel because it's way too late, way too long for you to continue to be in denial, for you to be lashing at symptoms, for you to be blaming everybody else but yourself for the plight that you're in. Yes, I despise Islam and what Islam did to women and children and and the Jews that I dearly love on October 7th. But it happened to a significant degree because there have been too few people in Israel who've taken a stand to demonstrate that there is no such thing as a Palestinian, no such thing as Palestine, that Jews are not occupying their land, that there is nothing of value on that Temple Mount, that Muslims should have no affinity to it, that it's nothing but an embarrassment to them, and that the reason we're in this mess is the same reason we got ourselves in a mess immediately after the Exodus when we started making the golden calf and becoming religious. Study the story of the waters of Meribah so you understand just how contentious you've been with your God and how long this has endured. You want to know how God views the religiosity and the political nature of Israel? Read the story of of Elia and how he opposed the 850, not only prophets of of the Lord, Baal and Asherah, the uh, queen of heaven and the mother of God, but how he opposed the political establishment in Israel and went after uh, and uh, Jezebel mm-hmm. and who king and queen of uh, of Israel and uh, understand what he had to say how condemning he was of the politics and the religion of Israel and how as a consequence that everybody that advanced religion in Israel and the political leaders of Israel got put to death That's how disgusted he is by religion and politics. It's time for you to learn that lesson. God is offering a relationship. No religion. Look at what happened in Eden. You want to understand where God is, what he's offering us, where he's taking us when we celebrate the final sukkah? We're being invited back to the Garden of Eden. 
And in Eden, there was no politics. There was no religion. There were no armies. There were no police. There were no terrorists there either. And that's what he's offering. And so for you to be among those who are invited back, you need to disavow religion and politics. Listen, your government is absolute rubbish. First of all, it can't even form a constitution. You've got this government, this this terrible conglomeration of secular and religious where the religious controls who gets to emigrate into Israel, who gets married, and who gets divorced. What you can eat, what you can do, your freedoms. They have redefined what it is to be a Jew by Judaism as opposed to an ethnicity. You have a prime minister who was completely asleep at the switch and who actually diverted uh, IDF forces, two-thirds of the force guarding the Gaza sector, up to protect religious Jews that were having a Sukkot party near Huwa to antagonize Muslims. And hasn't admitted his failures. Whose government exists to bribe the religious parasites that are destroying Israel from within. That's your government. You have some of the most disgusting people that are part of that cabinet. The yeah. facts of the matter. So how could you be political? And if you're on the other side and you're listening to Lapid, who is nothing but a traitor and another moronic progressive, and you're out parading against uh, and destroying the viability of Israel through your, your claim that by putting some restraints on the judicial branch, which doesn't have a Bill of Rights to constrain them or a constitution to rule on, that you're, you're being deprived of, uh, of democracy is the most insane response ever. And yet you'll protest and shut down Israel uh, each week to the tune of hundreds of thousands. Right. So Israel is absolutely in a civil war, just as you were during the period of the Maccabeans, just as you were during the, uh, the Exodus, just as you were during the, uh, the time of Elia, just as you were during the time of Saul. Yeah, even during the, the Dode's reign, you had God's right. firstborn son, the Messiah. The greatest man who's ever lived is your king. <laughs> and you let a coup against him. Yeah. I mean, this, you've been doing this for a long time. Stop it already. Come to know Yahweh. Stop fighting him. Stop antagonizing with your religion and with your politics. Now, truth be known, you know, as it talks about the progressives in uh, Tel Aviv, God really doesn't care about your sexuality. It's meaningless to him. Yeah, do whatever you want to do. There actually is no condemnation of homosexuality. It's completely misrepresented. God says nothing about bisexuality. Nothing. In fact, God's favorite person in the world was bisexual. 
she doesn't care. Now, cross dressing where you where you were a, a guy and pretend to be a girl, a girl pretends to be a guy. I said, yeah, that's that's pretty weird. Don't do that stuff. Um, <laughs> incest? Whoa. Don't do that stuff. That's really bad. That messes uh, people up big time. Rape? No, that's really bad. Don't do that either. Bestiality? Oh, disgusting. Don't do that. <clears throat> Pedophilia? Disgusting. Don't do that either. Yeah. But other than the basics, which we ought to be smart enough to know, okay, there's no letter in the... In the uh, LGBT alphabet soup for <clears throat> pedophile or for um, incest or for bestiality, although they do have their furries now. Uh, <laughs> so God's pretty limited on the things you ought not do. The rest of it, he didn't care. You know, this idea that, oh boy, you better not have sex before marriage. Well, there's not even a marriage ceremony in, in the Torah. So how how could that be? God never once accuses people, you know, your problem is you're overly sexual, and uh, I don't like the fact that you've got more than one sexual partner. Well, everybody that he really effectively communicated with had multiple wives. And Doe not only had eight wives, he had ten concubines. I don't think they're actually officially concubines. It's a terrible term that kind of an English corruption of, of it. But, you know, this idea that you, you know, you, you forsake all others and until death you, no. In fact, in, in the Torah, it's until letter do you part. And there's no indication that it should just be one. Uh, so you can relax. God doesn't really care about your sexuality. In fact, he rather thinks sexuality is a good thing. So do I. Strongly recommend it. I have a family. Yeah. So, you know, you don't need to be protesting based on sexuality. It's not, that's not God's hot button. Religion is. Politics is. When you are become self-reliant through politicians, which God tells Samuel, I'm going to tell you the, the 12 things that are going to happen to the people because they've chosen to be political as opposed to relying on me. And it's, you know, it's terrible. They're going to go off to war. He's going to sacrifice your sons and daughters for his personal uh, greed. He's going to bribe the inner circle around him to have a bunch of cronies. Boy, is that ever true in in the the last two governments, coalitions that Israel has had. Um, They're going to tax you to death. They're going to take your your crops. They're going to take your firstborn. It goes on and down. The guy said, this is what's going to happen. Don't do this. It's bad for you. And they did. And they did. They became indistinguishable from the Gentiles by design. Yeah, it was worth knowing. He tells a consistent and wonderful story. It's uh, presented for your consideration and and, uh, these yada yada series, 30 some odd books. Uh, we encourage you to read them. They're all free. We're not selling anything. We don't take donations. There's no club to join. There's no one to follow. There's uh, a God to be known. And we encourage you 
to take the time to know him, to know the truth, and recognize that Yahweh is, uh, is bold and blunt. And if you look at the people that he likes being around, they're bold and blunt. What, you know, why did, did uh, Moshe have to leave Egypt? Because he was bold enough. He had the character enough to know the truth that the caste system and slavery that was the undergird of, of Mitzrayim, Egypt, was wrong. And he saw a taskmaster beating up a Hebrew, and he risked his own life standing up on behalf of the victim. I don't think there's anybody willing to do that anymore. He did it for the right reasons. And what did Jews do? Oh, yeah, yeah, we know what you did. You're the guy that, uh, that uh, stood up to that uh, taskmaster. We didn't ask you to do that. We're going to tattletale on you. What do you think you are? How dare you do that? They turned on him. One person stood up for them. And so why do you think that Yahweh chose Moshe? He was 80 years old, tending sheep in Arabia. Why in the world would you pick that guy? Why pick anybody to go in and liberate the children of Israel from Mitzrayim, Egypt, the crucibles of human oppression? Why doesn't God just go in and do the, the big show in the, in the sky uh, and hightail it out with his people uh, standing 100 feet tall and looking <laughs> like, you know, the Greek gods of old? I bet he's pretty Must have hated what he hated. Yeah, because Moshe was aware of the politics and the religiosity and the caste system in Egypt and not only hated it, had stood up against it, person on the planet that understood how evil it was. Right. And had left it. Now, is that a clue for you? If you want to be used by Yahweh? Yeah. Why did he pick Abraham before that? Because Abraham and Sarah had walked right. away from Ur of the Chaldeans, Babylon. Because they were disgusted by it. Why did he choose Noah before that? Because Noah stood apart. He didn't want anything to do with those right. super religious and political militaristic cultures that were around him. And he and his family lived set apart. Are you seeing a picture here that's emerging? <laughs> yes. And, you know, look at Dode, who he found, you know, tending sheep out there in Bethlehem at eight years old and said, this is my kind of guy. What was he? Brilliant, articulate, courageous, a, a lovable rogue, a man who didn't mince words, never pulled a punch. He would tell you what, it, what was true. And that's the kind of boldness that Israel needs today. Someone who's willing to tell the whole truth about the fake Estenians, the whole truth about the Temple Mount, which is the catalyst for so much of this, the whole truth about Islam, the whole truth about Judaism, the whole truth about who Yahweh is. That Yom Kippurim is the opposite that it's being portrayed. That matzah is the most important and it's being ignored. That Dod is your savior. That he was the Passover lamb. That he's your Messiah. That the rabbis 
did an enormous damage to Israel and God's people when they did not refute the emerging religion of Christianity with an explanation that everything you're saying about this myth of Jesus Christ is actually true of doubt. And here's why. Christianity had been stillborn. But no Holocaust, no diaspora. And if rabbis hadn't sold their Talmud stories to Muhammad, the Quran would not have exceeded just the, the ongoing rant of you're a lying piece of shit, Muhammad. None of what you're saying is true. Nah, 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 nah. My God hates you. I'm going I'm to burn your britches in hell because you don't like my guy. That would be the entirety of the Quran. <laughs> Islam doesn't exist without rabbis selling Muhammad Bibles or Talmud stories and then mocking him. Come to know the truth. It's liberating. It's uplifting. It's empowering. It's enriching. Yahweh's worth knowing. Study the story of Hezekiah. Study the story of what happened at the waters of Mirabah. Study the story of Elia. Come to study the Mizmor of Dode. Read the Yada Yahweh series. Go to Prophet of Doom. Every book on the shelf in its entirety is there for you to study for free. And even the beginnings of the redrafted goddamn religion that explains the truth about Islam. All there for you. It's our gift. We want nothing other than to have access to the truth and to approach it with an open mind and to make an intelligent decision about Yahweh. Well, I didn't know what we were going to talk about actually tonight. Uh, here I was with my wife um, uh, an hour before showtime, and I said, you know, we, we've got to stop uh, talking uh, now, and I need to stop editing what I'm writing, and we really need to uh, decide what we're going to talk. We, you know, Kirk has already sent me a, a note mm-hmm. that says, we're going to talk about uh, uh, goddamn religion and uh, what's happening yeah. in, in Israel. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, and I said, okay. So I started reading uh, Goddamn Religion, and I, I realized that that uh, I didn't want to read it to you. But I thought this would be the opposite uh, this evening. We were just going to talk about the things that are important for Israel to know. And you're right. And, and I think it turned course. out okay. I think it turned you're out okay. Sure. I think there's a, you're you um, off the deck. Yeah. So, please, Israel, don't go another day without coming to know the truth. Go to yadayad.com. Everything is there is free. There are no donate buttons. There's no, no caveats. Every book on the shelf is entirely free. For your consideration. They were written for you. Of all times, now is the time to read it. And I would imagine within days, the first uh, four chapters of Goddamn Religion will be posted on that side, the far right side of the bookshelf, for you to read. Wonderful. Please do so. Um, I thank you very much for listening. I hope I have a wonderful uh, Shabbat. (laughs) And uh, let's hope that we have enough time to awaken enough Yehudim to, uh, to make a difference in their lives, in the life of Israel, 
before the second phase of the October 7th war. May God bless you all. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.